And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Eddie Howe shuffles the pack and finds a winning formula. Isaac planted it in the corner. Alexander Isaac grabs the headlines and Willock shines. Oh, oh. The other end, Nick Pope is wondering and worrying again. And good old Jason Tindall is at it again. Hello everyone, this is Pod on the Tyne, I am Taylor Payne and I've got two lovely chaps with me. Today we've got Newcastle United correspondents Chris Woff and Jacob Whitehead. How are we doing Chris, are we okay? Well I just yawned as we were starting this show so... Good energy Chris, I like it. Yeah exactly, yeah. No, no, I'm very good thank you, I'm very good. How are you Taylor? I'm not bad, I'm not bad. It's been a good weekend hasn't it? It's been nice. It's amazing what a win can do to a Monday isn't it? And how are you Jacob, are you okay? I'm good, I'm good, because the curse is over, right? Two goals? Mm. I mean, you weren't actually there, though, were you? But, um... Goodness me, Chris. First you're yawning, now you're coming straight <laughs> for me. I mean, let's have a bit of solidarity on this podcast. Oh, my God. Is that how the curse works? Do you have to have, actually have to be there in person, Chris, in order for the curse to be Yeah, uh, I keep real? changing the curse depending on uh, what best suits my narrative at that moment in time, so... I wouldn't have a cup final either, so I mean, that one's fully on you. <laughs> yeah, but you're in Prague, which counts, so. Uh. <laughs> Jacob's not happy about that at all. He's not accepting that. Uh, anyway, yes, it is amazing what uh, what a victory can do for a Monday mood, isn't it, Chris? It's uh, it's a great day when Newcastle United have won at a weekend, and there were some big calls in the lineup. Things were shuffled round. Uh, Eddie Howe swapped out some of the more attacking players, and it all came good, didn't it? It certainly did, and it was really was a big call for for how to make five changes. So change half his outfield players. Now one of those was enforced because Joe Linton is suspended for two matches, so he he had to bring in midfield. Joe Willock came in for him, but he changed the entire front three. Another one of those was enforced in the sense that Anthony Gordon was out injured. Callum Wilson he revealed afterwards had also missed some training, but he was on the bench. And Miguel Moron, who'd start every single Premier League game before the weekend, came out and in came Jacob Murphy on the right, Ansat Maximan on the left, and Alexander Isak through the middle, Joe Willock in midfield, and then Fabian Scher returned following concussion at the expense of Jamal Lascelles, which in itself was quite a big call because Lascelles was, was arguably Newcastle's man of the match at Manchester City and Howe was full of praise for him. And I suppose the one call that a lot of fans had pushed for, which didn't actually 
change in the lineup was for Dan Byrne maybe to be moved out and Matt Target to return at left back. But all of the big calls that Howe made worked out in the end. The, the result justified it all. And certainly for the first half, I thought Newcastle were excellent in just about everything they did. The front three brought a renewed energy and vigour to this Newcastle side. They were dynamic, they were direct. It was everything Newcastle were really early in the season and maybe had lost that a little intensity bit. Yeah, was back, wasn't the it? intensity, the high pressing, the not giving their opposition defence any second whatsoever. And Isak Murphy in particular, both of them really epitomised that. Murphy maybe lacked the sort of end product that Alexander Isak himself had, but between the two of them, they set the tempo that Joe Willock also was, was tireless in everything he did. And yes, I think Newcastle thoroughly deserved the victory. And Jacob Eddie Howard described putting Almiron on the bench as a as a rotation. Uh, but those changes, like Chris said, they they really worked, didn't they? The 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 pressing and the attacking player was was fantastic in that first half. And Newcastle were unlucky not to be two or three up by half time. Yeah, and it's definitely a brave decision from Howard because if they'd gone and drawn and lost the game, it'd be so easy to say, why are you playing Jacob Murphy? Why is Almiron not playing? But Murphy had actually made a few pretty good cameos off the bench. He really did play his part in that front three. And I was kind of almost most impressed by kind of the traits which Chris was saying just then. Athleticism, energy are things which you associate with Jalinton, who was suspended for this. The fact that those traits weren't missed at all, and it was possibly... Newcastle's best performance in a number of months with that regard was what I was really impressed with, a team performance to pick up the slack which Joe Linton had left. Yeah, it's probably the best we've played since that uh, game against Leicester, isn't it, Chris? It was a, a fantastic result and a much-needed win as well. And Newcastle are now again looking up instead of down, which is uh, another another positive. The Army, it's the first time they've scored two goals in the league since Boxing Day away at Leicester. And what was what was interesting about the way Newcastle approached the match as well is that actually they only had 42% possession. Wolves had more of the ball, but Newcastle, certainly during the second half, were happy to let them have it because they knew that if they did get it, that their main threat was going to be either in transition or attacking from the back. They had the ability to do it. They were far more direct than they have been. They tried to send Isak through the channels as much as they possibly could, and for the first 20 minutes, half an hour... There were a couple of glimpses where he got through, but then once he did get the better of Craig Dawson, I mean, Dawson looked like he was running a treacle at times. It was it was, it was was a complete mismatch. And Wolves, strangely, played quite a high line first half, which I didn't necessarily expect, and that did play into Newcastle's hand. Alan Saint-Maximan gives them something different, and although, again, some of his decision-making maybe went awry at certain points, the threat that he brings, the bodies who it, that he draws towards him, and Dan Burns showed that he can overlap, and that really helped down that left-hand side. Howe said after the match that, that he knew this was an important moment of the season, that this was a key game for the remainder of the campaign to 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 wrestle back some of that positive momentum, which has slipped away from them a little bit. He, he talked about the season maybe going a little bit stale a couple of weeks ago. The final is now is something they've got to put out of their minds now and they've got to refocus. And the Champions League... It, qualification is still in their hands it's going to be very very difficult but they have two games in hand on Spurs who are four points ahead of them they are ahead of Liverpool also with a game in hand and they also are going to, they've got Tottenham to play at St James's Park as well during the run-in so th- this game before Friday and then the international break it did really feel like it was sort of now or never to, to wrestle back that chance to still be in going for Europe's premier competition they have an excellent opportunity and it looks highly likely they're going to be in Europe in some capacity but that win yesterday w- gives them a, a route again back to Champions League football 
Absolutely. Eddie Howe was quite rightly delighted with Alexander Isak's performance, his goal and his development since arriving. Here's a little clip from him. I think it's very difficult to do it instantly. I think sometimes you need to get to know your environment. You need to feel comfortable in the environment. You need to be 100% right, really, to give your best on a consistent basis. I think Alex has done very well in the short time that he's been with us. He's been disrupted by injury. We hope touch wood he's behind um, those concerns and we can build his fitness up from here. So the plan today was run yourself into the ground until you can no longer run. Um, he put his hand up and said, that's me done. And uh, that's the type of performance that I want from him. Yes, Jacob, we're all worried about AI coming for our jobs, aren't we? But uh, Callum Wilson now has a real issue with that, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's discussions in the Athletic Towers about replacing Chris during his paternity leave purely with ChatGPT. <laughs> It'll be a dramatic improvement, so... <laughs> I bet ChatGPT's never spilled hot coffee on itself. Uh, what we do about Chris Well, um, <laughs> Callum Wilson, yeah, like... That feels like the game where Isaac has stamped his place in that starting eleven. It's Newcastle's best striking performance, um, at least since the World Cup. Since Isaac joins, kind of been waiting for that statement performance, which comes with a sixty million price tag. And it's kind of what else do you want from a striker? He wasn't signed to score those sorts of headers. He showed he could do it. He showed he could press. That he could run. Brilliant link-up play, actually managed to get a pretty good relationship going with Sam Maximan, which Wilson hasn't always managed to do. So that seems like it's going to be Isaac as the focal point for at least the coming month. Absolutely. I will just pull you up there, Jacob. Uh, the football media Bible states, we do have to call that a towering header, by the way. We can't get away with not calling it that. I don't know, because he didn't rise above everyone else. It's more like his head was sort of part of a thicket. <laughs> there was no towering he was just a one head amongst many it was towering Chris it was a great goal wasn't it it was and Howe referred to it as a traditional Newcastle number nine style goal and it was and what's fascinating is when Newcastle signed Isak one of the things they identified is that he could really improve was his heading ability because he's he's tall he's sort of six foot three six foot four but isn't renowned for his aerial ability and I thought yesterday certainly first half he also won a lot of open play headers and put himself about in that sense he showed strength which maybe he hasn't in previous matches but it was it sort of typified a performance which really was all about is pace is uh willingness to to harry both uh jose son goal and the opposition defense to run clever clever lines to link up with alan Saint maximan and joe willock and he, it was it was an excellent performance it was, i i i'll hold my hands up i doubted last week whether this was the game for Alexander Isak I thought that to get him in so he could play the, the the runs down the channels that he does one of the recent away games was maybe the time to do that but I didn't know if Wolves at St James's would be I thought that they would sit deep and that he would maybe struggle in that regard and, and I was completely wrong and he, he was excellent and it was interesting because how again had to clarify comments that he himself had made on Friday which perhaps was an attempt at misdirections he sometimes done where he basically he was trying to defend Callum Wilson and he, he was asked about Isak at one stage and he sort of said Isak isn't really ready for 90 minutes and that was it, it was unprompted and it was a bit of a strange comment to make and I thought I'm not quite sure exactly where he's come from I don't think that this seems a bit too odd for him to raise that and then after the game yesterday he said let me clarify something because I don't think he was happy with some of the coverage that was put out there he said I'm not saying that Alexander Isak can't play 90 minutes for another team I'm saying Alexander Isak is not yet ready to play 90 minutes how I want him to play in my team and so that's him talking about exactly what it 
it needs to, to it requires to be in this Newcastle side the energy the tirelessness he, he said before you heard the clip that I told him to run himself into the ground and he, he managed 68 minutes so it's a little bit further to go if he's going to last 90 minutes but the front three the amount of work they have to get through in this Newcastle side it makes sense and, and, and it shows that they do need that depth they do require the ability to make changes up front because it's very very difficult to be able to last 90 minutes at exactly the pace Eddie Howe wants from his front three particularly at St James's Park. Speaking of graft and intensity though the, the person I thought who was my man of the match was Joe Willock I thought he was absolutely fantastic yesterday he ran his legs off Jacob he never stopped and then provided Mickey Armoron with the, uh, the second goal as well a, a fantastic performance from him. Absolutely first start in a while after that injury unlucky not to start the cup final I'm reminded actually of a line of George's about Sean Longstaff where he wrote that he probably sleeps on a treadmill and watching <laughs> Willock, you could say the same applies to him uh, yesterday. I, I mean, just not the fact like, obviously it's not easy to run around loads, but the fact that you can have, you can have a performance of that energy and then with 15 minutes to go to sort of still have that playmaking instinct to set up yeah. Almiron's goal, kind of cool heads on a tired body. Really impressive. His close control of the football as well is is fantastic. The way he takes the ball in his stride sometimes, the little movements, the little drops of the shoulder and stuff. And He did it a couple of times yesterday where he left a defender for dead, not by doing anything particularly skillful or clever, but just the shape of his body and the way he, he took the ball into his stride. It was it was great to see. There's something deceptive about him, though, because there's, yeah. there's, there's times when he's running with the ball when you think, oh, he's lost control of that. And yet he yeah, hasn't. Absolutely. And I think defenders get drawn into that as well. I think that they think there's an opportunity to get in there, but he hasn't lost control of the ball. It, it doesn't look particularly pretty in some ways. It's not like the, the, the most majestic dribbler of the ball, but it's power, it's pace, and it is it works for him, and it, and it does disrupt opposition defences and, and I think that he, he worked really well down that left-hand side he, he created space for Alan Saint-Maximin as well and vice versa and yes he did cover so much ground I thought he was very very impressive I, I, I'll be honest when Newcastle signed Joe Willock he'd had that wonderful goal scoring run but I wasn't sure what there was to him beyond that I didn't I wasn't convinced that he necessarily was a 20 odd million pound Premier League footballer but you've seen he's another player who under Eddie Howe has added so many layers to his game and I do think Newcastle have missed him in recent weeks when he's not in that side he brings something a little bit different to them from that midfield that ability to, to drive forward with it and speaking about the midfield what was refreshing yesterday was aside from if I mean he wasn't poor but I don't think it was a Bruno Gimaraes masterclass as, as previous matches have and yet Newcastle would still dominant and still found a way to win and that is refreshing that they don't need to rely on him at all moments I mean there were some lovely flicks and uh, like there was for the for the for the Sven Botman chance later on from the set piece which we'll get on to in a bit but it wasn't it wasn't as if Bruno was was dominating the midfield Wolves have a very technical midfield and it was almost like it was Bruno and and the re- and the Wolves technical players, and then Newcastle just bullied them, just outpaced them, showed physicality, and I thought that was the difference between the two sides. As good as technical footballers as Wolves had, I just thought Newcastle had more energy, had more physicality, and had more directness about them, and that was the key difference between the two teams. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> Jacob Nick Pope had another little moment, didn't he? Had a bit of a brain fade. What do you think? Red card? Not red card? Penalty? What's going on? It's totally scary season. I mean, I still hadn't quite 
worked out what was happening with Dan Byrne at the other end of the pitch, kind of how to form my opinion there before it's suddenly up at Nick Pope's end. <laughs> I mean, it's a shoulder not near the ball with a fair amount of contact inside the area. Yeah. I think he's very lucky not to be a penalty. And if it's a penalty, I guess it, it would have been a denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity if it's one and one in the area. So I don't know what you guys think is more died in the wall Newcastle fans. I, I often I often judge these based on <clears throat> the reaction of the player in, in trouble and the fact that he swiveled around so quick that his head nearly fell off to see what the referee's decision was kind of made me think that maybe he thought it was going to be a red and going to be a penalty. I, I thought it was, to be honest. I thought they were going to overturn it on VAR. But um, the luck was with us, Chris. Sometimes these go for you, sometimes they don't. They do, yeah. And I think that this is the case of pre-Howard Webb as head of officiating in the Premier League. This probably would have been reviewed in terms of the, the sent to the monitor. I mean, all decisions are reviewed, but I don't think it meets the, the recently introduced threshold. Because if it had been given, I don't think it would have been overturned either. It was. It was. I, I when I first saw it, I was. I was worried, and I thought this is going to be a penalty and could well be a red card. I think, but what? Even from my angle in the press box, and so that means that I'm looking towards it to my left, about forty yards away. Jimenez going down didn't look natural, and I think that may have actually counted against him. I think if he tried to keep running and maybe tripped or or gone down in a more natural way, he may well have got the decision, but I think because of the way that he went down, that didn't actually aid his cause, but it was a very nervy moment, and there was yeah. a few times where Newcastle were passing back to Pope, which I thought was, was odd, because I know that early in the season it's all been about passing it forward, and actually there was a time in the second half where... I think it was because Botman had also given it back to him for that when he, he was completely he was completely blind looking at it and Jimenez had spotted that and just just sprinted at him. But there was this mo- moment in the second half. I think it was Byrne passed it back to Pope and Joe Willick just had a right go at him, basically saying, "I want the ball, give it, give it forward, don't go back." Yeah. And I think that that has to be Newcastle's way forward at the minute. Pope made a couple of excellent saves once again. There was a, he did, yeah. and, and a, a one down low from Joe Moutinho in particular, which I thought was an excellent stop. But with the ball at his feet, that decision making where he's now got a little bit of time to work out what he's trying to do, I think the Liverpool incident is maybe still playing in his mind a little bit. And so I would have tried to avoid giving the ball to him as much as Newcastle did at points. I think it's fair to say we got away with one there. Uh, let's have a little break and we'll be back in a sec. Speak to you soon. Hello there, I'm Ali Maxwell. I'm the host of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast with Michael Cox, Liam Tharm and Mark Kerry. Each week, we try and better understand and explain, where possible, the game that we love. And we look at things through a, a tactical and analytical lens. We love a deep dive. We love to myth bust and just generally try and tackle football discussion in a depth and in a way that I don't think you find on many other pods. In recent weeks, we have released a two-part series looking at the state of football management. We've also looked at understanding Red Bull football and how well it travels outside of the Red Bull empire. Join us over on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast feed. Just search for the name of the pod wherever you listen to yours.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So, lads, um, the, the Wolves goal. Let's have a little chat about that. Kieran Slippier, uh, a bit of a nightmare uh, for him. It's unlike Kieran, isn't it, to, to, to have that sort of thing happen to him. He, he, he looked absolutely devastated. Him and Pope between them conspiring to give Wolves a goal, Jacob, and Huang was the one who just slotted it away. We were the better side, though, weren't we, at the time? And, and suddenly, the stadium's filled with nerves. Is the way it was such a freebie, it felt like Newcastle had repelled quite a lot in the 10 or 15 minutes before that. That was when Pope had made a couple of good saves. It was a point of game, I thought, where Wolves had the better of it, in that Newcastle possibly became passive a little bit too early. And actually, that was what was quite encouraging after scoring what proved to be the winner for Miggy. They then sort of were on the front foot for the rest of the game in a way which I don't think that they were midway through the second half. And Eddie Howe was delighted with the reaction from his players. Here's a little clip from him. We were desperate to win today and I don't think it really mattered how we did it. We just wanted the win. But very, very pleased again with the performance because first half, I think that was up there as one of our best performances of the season today. The only disappointing thing, it was only 1-0 where I felt the game probably should have been out of sight at that moment. And that's where the players deserve huge credit because second half, Wolves came back into it and... It was a key moment in our season and the lads responded brilliantly. The, the heads could have dropped and the crowd could have uh, not supported the team. Um, but they were incredible for us in that moment where we, we needed something to reignite us. They helped massively and the players responded. A really good test of character pass today. Uh, Miggy Almiron, Chris. Vintage Miggy Almiron with the goal. Well, yeah, deflection. But <laughs> Don't mention the deflection. Don't you dare mention the deflection. No, I thought that when Almiron came on, it was definitely the reaction that Howe would have wanted. I thought that, whereas the last couple of weeks, maybe he's looked a little bit lethargic as members of, uh, the members of the team have. He was involved in everything and he was back to the Miguel Almiron of pushing high, really swallowing up the ground and, and making it so that very, very difficult for opposition defenders. He was involved in several moves down that right-hand side. Again, he was linking up well with Bruno Gimraes and... He was direct again, getting shots away, getting in the box and, and laying it back. And, I ju- yeah, just for, for someone who had had such a wonderful purple patch and then just tailed off a little bit, it was a big call for how to drop him. It, what he was his top scorer. He is someone that Howe really, really likes and really rates, but it felt that, that there needed to be a bit of a change. 
and he didn't sulk. He came on, and then the celebration. I mean, you could just have to see how much it meant to him. <laughs> and it's it's eleven goals for the season now. He scored thirty percent of Newcastle's Premier League goals, which is the highest share by a Newcastle player since twenty thirteen fourteen. It's amazing. Do you know who that player was in twenty thirteen fourteen, Taylor? Um, A quiz for you. George would hate this. George would absolutely hate this. The the highest percentage of goals in twenty thirteen fourteen. They got thirty three percent. They got forty fourteen of forty three goals. He was on loan. French striker. Uh, it was Loic Remy. Loic Remy, yes. Yeah. Um, so it just shows how much Newcastle are relying on, on Almiron and, and what he has brought in terms of that. I mean, he's got more goals now this season than he had in his previous four seasons in the Premier League with Newcastle United. So, yes, wonderful for him. Great that Howe now seemingly has options again, whereas previously it was select the same players over and over again. Firstly, because they warranted it, but then because their players weren't necessarily putting their hands up. Now he has some real selection dilemmas going to Nottingham Forest, and that's great to see. And the game, Jacob, started to get a little bit away from Wolves towards the end, and probably the first time I think I've ever seen a fake time-wasting corner routine, which very nearly led to one of the goals of the season for Newcastle United. I mean, it's fun, but isn't it kind of unnecessary stress I'm just kind of surprised it's a risk they want to take like as fun as it was imagine if they got dispossessed and went down the other end oh no messing around with these like kind of scorpion flicks behind the legs like it could have been amazing but (laughs) I just kind of I get that maybe it's part of the distraction but the fact that Sven Botman was kind of the head of the serpent of the move yeah was quite surprising like I was like surely they could have worked it in some other way but one other player was providing that. I, I think I may be slightly more sceptical than most on this. If you look at the footage, if Botman leaves the ball, if he lets it run through his legs or steps over it, Matt Ritchie has got an open goal. And Matt Ritchie's reaction when Botman misses just speaks volumes. Well, he starts to if celebrate he and then the he ball, goes mental. It's like, it's like, it's like he can't yeah. decide what he wants to do with that. <laughs> Whether he's happy or not. Yeah. But it would have been a glorious goal though, Chris. It would have been... Absolutely special, I think. It would have been one of those moments that we talked about for years. Oh, it would have been. And uh, I mean, I spoke to someone close to Sven Botman today and they were saying how he realises he's probably never going to have an opportunity like that to side foot a finish from inside the area. But in open play. Exactly, in open play. So, um, But it was a very, it was a very clever routine. Again, Almiron was key to that. The, the fact that he did just drive in the box and it was that movement yeah. that we've seen we saw so often in the first half of the season coming off the right wing, driving in the right-hand side of the box, getting in behind the defence and then pulling it back or shooting. Um, and yeah, it was it was it, it would have been great if, if that had gone in. It, it didn't, but I think it showed a confidence again about Newcastle. I don't think they would have tried that if the scores had been level or if they were behind. That was a we we believe in what we're doing again. Um, and just picking up on Matt Ritchie, there was also, I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, the Newcastle United post on their social media of Joe Linton standing outside the, the, oh, the dressing room and you get yeah, Matt Ritchie shouting his name in a mock Brazilian accent, as I believe. <laughs> it will... Uh, <laughs> That that will be clipped up, I'm sure, by Ollie, our producer, and hopefully becoming one of those things like uh, like Joe Willock's "Come on, you Maggies," which are going between <laughs> little bits on this podcast. Absolutely, get it in there with the stings. Great stuff. Um, it was a huge win, Jacob. Absolutely huge win. Uh, it's great to have the team forward back as well, and a big tribute to uh, Willakino as he was uh, dubbed after the game from his teammates. Uh, lovely stuff on social media from Bruno and others. Yeah, for sure, Willakino. Lovely name. Bit of a tongue twister. Just to pick up on the team photos, I mean, I don't think I've spoken about this before, 
I find them utterly bizarre how every single one is somehow the same photo. Like, well, if Jason Tindall, yeah, I mean, Jason Tindall has the same smile. Jacob Murphy's face is always the Everyone same. Everyone stands well. in the same spots, and there's always somebody who does the double fist pump. Howell's always kind of half disappearing at the back, but also kind of looking paternally. Yeah, obviously, Jason Tindall, like, they're really weird. They're like one of those, um, you know those machines you spin around and they're slightly different and you can see how it, you can see a sort of a stop animation move. It's like each photograph's kind of just a different step on yeah. one of those. Yeah. <laughs> we need to make a flick book, like an animation flick book of all of the photos and just see Tindall in the middle going. <laughs> just his face changing every time. Speaking of Mad Dog Tindall, he had a good afternoon, didn't he, Chris? He enjoyed himself, shithousing on the touchline. He did. He was back to his very best uh, right towards the end of the game. You might not have seen this on the TV cameras because I've chatted to you guys off air and you didn't seem to have noticed it, but one of the backroom staff members for Wolves wasn't very happy uh, with a couple of incidents that happened later on, and Jason Tindall made sure to get right up in his face and tell him exactly what he thought of it. Kept on telling him that you think it's my fault, it's not my effing fault, and back and forth, back and forth. Eddie Howe nearly got involved, but then sort of got focused back on the game, whereas Tyndall just looked... He wasn't even bothered about what was going on at the pitch at that point. That was that was very much him in full Mad Dog persona. So, yes, that was that was enjoyable. That's his job, though, isn't it? It's a lovely double act the two of them have. Let Eddie Howe concentrate on the game. Let him focus on that. Tyndall can do all of, the, all of the donkey work and all of the stuff in between and all the nasty stuff. Let him do that. Let him crack on. It's great. I will be writing about this over the international breaks. So I'm finally doing that piece, which i had been commissioned to do. So, yes. I will be discussing that further. Brilliant stuff. The fourth teaser for this piece, which you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> the piece that shall never be published. Uh, right. Uh, if you do want to read that piece when it is finally published, get yourself over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you can pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. We'll be back in just a tick. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So, uh, Eddie Howe reshaped the attack for the win against Wolves and we said that would be necessary with Alexander Isak coming in. It went pretty well, didn't it, Chris? It was a different kind of approach. It was that sort of directness, a different... How talked previously about not wanting to change things completely, but tweaking little elements. And I think that's what you saw from Newcastle. It wasn't a change of system per se. It was sort of a change of approach going forward. And whether that's the same 
away at Nottingham Forest will be interesting to see because it's a bit of a tighter pitch there and Forest are very, very good at home. So I suspect we'll see the same eleven because Howe does tend to reward players who, who come in and do well. But Almiron obviously now is pushing to be back in that starting eleven. They don't really have any options in midfield, so that would be really where you would see possibly change here or there, as long as other players are fit. And obviously Anthony Gordon, who picked up an ankle injury after the Man City game, isn't going to be fit for Friday. Might not be back immediately after the international break either, so that's a bit of a blow because we still haven't seen him have a run of games for Newcastle. But thankfully, because others have sort of stepped up in that absence, Howe has some po- still does still have some positive selection dilemmas, and I suspect will be largely the same 11 with possibly a slightly tweaked game plan again because of the difference in terms of pitch and, and being away from home rather than at St James's. Yeah, it's. I think I thought it was nice to see Jager Murphy running down that right-hand side and swinging some crosses in with his right foot. Not what you get when you have Miguel Almiron in the team, is it, Jacob? So it's a bit of a difference there. Uh, and Miggy's quite good at coming on late and running against tired legs with that pace of his as well. So it's an interesting one to see whether... Eddie Howe changes again or whether he sticks with Jacob Murphy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, part of me wants to take out his word and say that Almiron truly was rotated. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he comes back in to start. But I think there's clearly been value in Jacob Murphy. I mean, not just from his performance yesterday, but from all of his cameos off the bench. He's just different style to Almiron, as in that I feel like rather than attack the goal in such a direct manner he's kind of much more about wide interplay rather than cutting in which kind of leads to quite a different shape of the attacks and he's kind of got the flexibility as well I guess to be on either side I quite like the fact that Murphy and Sam Maxman switch wings a couple of times just kind of within the mood it kind of within the mood within the move it gave him a little bit of kind of a little bit of chaos which maybe some of Newcastle's attacks were kind of lacking in their slump Martin Tyler said an interesting thing in commentary, Chris. I don't know if you heard this because obviously you were at the game, so you wouldn't have seen the sky feed live. But he said Jacob Murphy's a player who maybe doesn't think he's quite as good as what he is, which I thought was an interesting thing to say about him. Um, but I, I, I presume he's talking about his confidence levels and stuff like that, and he should be trying more to drive at defenders, take them on, getting crosses in and stuff like that. He's a really likable lad, and we know he's a Newcastle fan. He does offer something different, doesn't he? I, I think there is a player in there, you know. Yeah, well, he's one someone who has never really fulfilled it at Newcastle. There's been glimpses. I mean, there was a really good goal away at Manchester City. He was quite often selected by Rafa Benitez against the very best teams away from home because he could provide that pace on the break. And you saw that against Wolves when he he, he got through and got pulled down at uh, one stage and, 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 and brought a yellow card, which could have arguably been a red, depending on whether you see the Wolves defender as the last man or not. But... I do think that end product is where it sort of lets him down a bit. Eddie Howe really, really likes him. He's appeared in every single Premier League game this season. Only started six of them, but he always comes on. He's one of Howe's go-to players because he does come on and provide the press. He does have that energy, does have that pace. I think final, final ball lack of confidence in front of goal or when he gets the byline is what lets him down. I think he even saw elements of that. Yesterday, there were a few early good crosses and there were a few sort of blocked shots, but beyond that, he doesn't quite have that. And I think that's where 
he sort of maybe lacks the end product of some of the others, but how really likes some how sees him as a valued member of the squad. And it seems that Jacob Murphy is relishing the role that he has, which is to start every now and again, but always be ready to come on and, and provide some sort of an impact. And I know that quite often eyebrows are raised by supporters and I say it's a negative substitution, but in Howe's eyes, he's coming on and he's doing exactly what he wants him to do. Yeah, and Jacob, you've identified that left-hand side as a bit problematic as well. There was a bit of improvement there, wasn't there? Some lovely interplay between Maxi and Isaac. Yeah, definitely. So wrote last week about how kind of a majority of Newcastle's goals and chance creation were coming down the right. And one thing I also talked about in there was kind of the difficulties which Dan Byrne and Alan St. Maximan have had playing together, which they basically shattered at the weekend by looking really impressive together, kind of. St. Maximan got back and supported Byrne. Byrne overlapped. It's really impressive. One thing I thought was quite interesting was how typically Newcastle kind of liked to carry the ball on the left-hand side and kind of pass it on the right-hand side to create chances. And maybe this was because Bruno wasn't quite as influential as usual, but kind of it felt like all around they were much more of a carrying side than a passing side in their attack. You had Isaac getting in behind and carrying. You had kind of Murphy and Sam Axman enjoying dribbling. Joe Willett galloping forward. It felt stylistically slightly different. I've been waiting for the pass map to drop from our data team all day with bated breath to properly check it out. But... um. Yes, it is a different kind of attack, and it did seem to solve the left-hand side, which is kind of what Howe needed to do. It's good to have these options, though, isn't it? Because I think there, there was a feeling, maybe, that we were becoming a little bit one-dimensional at times, and maybe teams had kind of worked out how to play against us a little bit. You know, the, the, the sort of bad runner results that we had, and a lot of stuff going down the right-hand side as it was wasn't working anymore. Those little one-twos between Bruno and Miggy just weren't coming off. And and having that change and being able to shuffle it a bit and, and have a different approach, Chris, that's it's what you need, isn't it? It's a long season and there's a lot of games to be played and you can't approach every single one of them in the same way. When Newcastle need a variety in their attack because they are also going to come up against stylistically different sides and some teams will give them a lot of respect and they've they've found that increasingly in recent weeks and months and have struggled at times to be able to combat that and get beyond that but other teams like Liverpool or Manchester City will give them space in behind which again in both of those matches they created openings and opportunities and didn't actually take them but this was a different approach this showed a different side to them and I think you see the difference between what Isak in particular and, and Wilson will bring. Wilson may be more of a traditional sort of centre-forward, can hold it up a little bit more, a bit more comfortable back to goal, doesn't have the pace necessarily he once did, whereas Alexander Isak is very much looking to run in behind, run and drag defenders out wide, those wider channels, uh, and just be more direct in terms of everything that he does. And so that having those different options as well, is important for Eddie Howe. It was it, Howe came out afterwards and was was very defensive about Wilson once again and said he'd had illness again last week and that it from to even be on the bench and come on for for the final twenty minutes that was above and beyond what he expected. So Wilson's had a lot of injuries and illnesses. That's that's frustrated uh, his progress since the World Cup when he just hasn't been quite the same. But having Isak as a as a genuine alternative now or maybe you could argue now being the primary option as a striker uh, just brings this this freshness to this Newcastle side right now. Yeah and it's uh, Nottingham Forest on Friday night and a win for Newcastle United would mean they go into that international break with loads of momentum Jacob and that would be ideal wouldn't it? Yeah momentum needed to be picked back up um, 
I suppose the last big international break, the World Cup, wasn't a good one for Newcastle's <laughs> momentum. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they're off to Dubai for some training during the break, which would be another chance to kind of get the squad together. Newcastle, as a team, won't be too affected by international call-ups compared to those around, which I think is quite a significant factor in terms of their pursuit of European football. So that's another thing to bear in mind. Yeah, Chris uh, Chris Wood will be ineligible as well, but he's injured anyway, uh, Chris. And this time, John Joe Shelby won't be in our team for it if we win. No, I don't think he'll be uh, moving from the uh, home dressing room at the away one f- for this game if he, if he is. I mean, that's the, that's an interesting one because Howe admitted again on Friday that 99% of that move was sort of out of his control. And that was mainly talking about the fact that Shelby himself pushed to go. He was in the final six months of his contract. The club in the end thought it was a good deal for them. And although Howe initially was going to told Shelby he couldn't go, he had a sort of change of heart and said, I'm not going to keep you sort of against you, Will. You need to to sign this longer-term contract and protect the future of your family. But Newcastle are short in midfield, as well as the midfield played on Sunday. Joe Linton's still suspended for this game. They don't have any senior options. Elliot Anderson's the only out-and-out midfielder they have who they can bring in to the team at a senior level. Howe actually wanted to end the window with an extra midfielder and ended up with one fewer than he than he started with. So Shelby, I think, has had a bit of a mixed start to life at Forest. He's given away penalties. He's, he's shown glimpses of what he can do, but also I don't think it's quite clicked for him there yet. I mean, Wood scored once, and again, I think he's been... hasn't had the... Uh, warmest of applause so far in terms of his performances I think there's been questions as to as to what he necessarily brings to them but this is a huge opportunity for Newcastle a very difficult place to go Forrest's survival bid is based on their home form um, as Newcastle's was last year and the last time Newcastle, I was there the last time Newcastle went to City Ground in the league, which was a very controversial Friday night fixture, when Shelby, I believe, was sent off yeah. alongside Paul Dummett for Newcastle. Yep. Carl Dolo saved a penalty. Yep. Uh, Rafa Benitez was apoplectic afterwards, and people were inside the club uh, were, were talking even about maybe conspiracy theories against Newcastle and trying to prevent them get promoted from the championship. So <laughs> Newcastle have been to the City Ground when strange things have happened in a negative sense previously. Let's hope that that isn't the case this Friday and that Newcastle returned to winning ways on the road, uh, having managed to do so at St James's Park. And one player we haven't mentioned, uh, Jacob, was Anthony Gordon. He he missed the Wolves game uh, sort of very late in the day, apparently, and it, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Will he be back, do you think, for Forrest? Pretty surprising, especially seeing as he did uh, sort of interviews with Sky Sports and Premier League the day before yeah. the game, which is usually an indication <laughs> that they're going to play, so maybe some more classic kind of Eddie Howe misdirection. No, he's not expected to be back for Forrest. Bit of a weird one in that it wasn't one you necessarily noticed at the time, but um, according to how it swelled up the day the day after um, and probably looking at post-international break for that. So jet him off to Dubai, a bit of warm weather on it. And uh, yeah, hopefully back for Manchester United. Manchester United, did you notice? I'm learning. Well done. Well done. Well done. That's that. I'll be Casemiro less Manchester United as well. He got himself sent off again, didn't he? Two two red cards and three three games. I think it is for him now. Yeah, but still managed to play in the Carabao Cup final and dominate that match. Just so. Swine that he is. Yeah. Is this a conspiracy theory of your own? You're relaunching now. Is <laughs> not it, just yeah. the club, but kind of you two joining in. I'm fully on board, Chris. If you are. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. I'm up for that. They should have to re- they should have to replay the Carabao Cup final now. I think. 
definitely, 100%, yeah. Uh, good news is uh, that we will be live on Sky Sports again. Newcastle United are absolute box office at the minute, aren't they, Chris? They can't get enough of us, those broadcasters. Uh, and that is even if Match of the Day returns as well. Uh, we will be on the telly on Friday night. It should be a, it should be a good night, shouldn't it? It should be. I will be heading down to Nottingham for it. And so it's going to be a long international break afterwards because Newcastle play Friday night, then they don't play till the, the Sunday after the international break when they host Manchester United. Yeah. Their team, as Jacob alluded to, are heading to Dubai. The non-internationals, that, that is, are heading to Dubai, which Howe talked about being a depleted squad for that on Friday. But unless Sven Botman gets called up the Netherlands squad, which he may do, and I think they're only going to be lacking like Cher and Isak and Jamal Lewis because Bruno Gamarayas and Joe Linton haven't been called up to a Brazil squad, which is mainly Brazil-based players within it. So I think they should he should still have a decent 20-plus squad and he'll take some youngsters with them. And it's it'll be similar to the trip last year when Newcastle did some training, but also it was to try and relax the players a little bit as well, get them some warm weather, some, a change of scenery, something a little bit different to try and refresh and, and really attack those final few games of the season. I suppose Callum Wilson is quite an interesting one for the international break, with him kind of not necessarily training that much since the World Cup, only kind of finally getting back to regularly training, but now losing his place. He's very much a part of Gareth Southgate's plan, so it'll be quite interesting, I think, to see if he is involved in the upcoming international window. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange one, that, isn't it? Obviously, he's, he's been a bit out of form as well, hasn't he? So it'll be interesting to see whether Gareth picks him. I guess even Tony really in form as well is kind of the other... I'd be shocked if Wilson's in the squad. It's just like like how Southgate does put a lot in for credit in the bank, which is why it wouldn't surprise me. Well, you never know, dear. You never know. Uh, right then, chaps, let's wrap things up. But before we go, good luck to Newcastle United women's team as well, who have what must surely be considered a title decider against Durham Sestria on Tuesday night. A massive game for them, Chris. That could be a big one. It could be. I mean, the, the, it, as you've said, it, it's two teams already going for that promotion place. Uh, another St. James's Park match has been announced for uh, next month for, for the women's team. So make sure you get along for that as well if you can. It's a perfect opportunity if you can't get into St. James's Park to see the men's team at the moment. And hopefully, yes, they come out of that on the right side and they can continue their uh, positive momentum that they've built up right now. Absolutely. Right, get yourselves to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year for all the fantastic writing from Chris, Jacob and George. Uh, right then, chaps, that's it. Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, you're very welcome. Just before I go, I've forgotten something which George asked me to mention. Oh, go on then. George was stood uh, in the mixed zone after the game, spoke to Alexander Isak, but as he did, another Matt Ritchie moment, and I think that this also this presumably <laughs> gives a bit of insight into what was happening in the dressing room, because Joe Willock also posted this on his social media, that Matt Ritchie came out the tunnel humming, we've got Bruno in the middle. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a catchy tune, Chris. It is, it is an worm it gets in there. Absolutely, that's great to see that. The, the, the spirit's obviously very good with those lads, isn't it? Lovely stuff. Uh, thanks a lot, Jacob. Thank you very much, Taylor. Pleasure as always. As always, my friend, yes, and we shall see you soon. Thanks a lot to all you lot out there as well, listening uh, from everybody at Pod on the Time. I hope you have a good week. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye.
The Athletic.